Surprise, it's not our Adam and Eve ad. We want to tell you about our sexy little Patreon. There, you can find early episodes, bonus content, exclusive polls, and much more. Go to patreon.com slash candygirlpodcast and choose to be a candy slut, a sweet simp, or our virtual sugar daddies. We'll see you candy sluts and bubble butts over there. Candy Girl Podcast. Fuck me, Daddy. <laughs> hey, all you candy sluts and bubble butts. Welcome back to another episode of Candy Girl. I'm one of your hosts, Emily. And I'm Shelby. And today we are here with Dion Garcia. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, please. Thank you so much, ladies, for having me on the podcast. I'm Dion, and I'm trained as a Blissful facilitator, which is a sacred sexuality wellness coach, and as a holistic health coach and body worker. So all about the body, all about flow, all about pleasure. So on Candy Girl, we do talk a little bit to people who are adjacent to the sex work industry. Obviously, we talk to sex workers as much as we can, but our show's audience is also supposed to be people who are interested in the industry and all aspects of it. And we've uh, recently been talking a lot about healing and how sex can be very healing for some people. And that's a huge role that sex workers play in a lot of people's lives. So that's something we kind of want to ask you about is in your work, how have you seen sex be healing for people? Mm, That's always a good question. Well, in my own personal journey through massage and just through learning to heal through sexual abuse as a child, just reintegrating sex as a consensual and a holistic and a natural part of life has been so empowering for me. And the way that I've been seeing it, uh, see it work and translate to other women in their lives. I recently had worked with this really cool, badass woman who was in the military, and she had experienced some very traumatic things in her early childhood, which she actually blocked out for a lot of her life. And when she got married to this amazing man that she felt super connected with, it was super challenging for her just to enjoy sex. And this was like, for her, so super upsetting because she wanted to, you know, have the whole thing, have the relationship, have a relationship that's juicy and that feels safe. But regardless of how much intimacy and how well they got along, when it came to the bedroom, it was just something that like freaked her out. And so what we did together was help her re- frame her understanding of what sex is and what is it like to feel pleasure and essentially not to have shame around sex, which is, you know, the root cause of everything that I do is just really helping women reprogram their bodies from feeling this shame, from feeling fully empowered to express their sensuality. And another woman that I was just recently talking to was um, a sex worker and still is a sex worker. And she had kind of gone in and out where she was at the clubs and then coming out and trying to embrace more of this like professional coaching with one-on-one with women, which was great. And she expressed that she learned so much about working with different women who weren't part of the sex trade. Uh, sex work in that sense. But she still felt like when she came back to the club, she had this ex- uh, like expanded understanding of what she offered men, like you were saying, you know, just the people that were coming to the clubs to experience her and to witness her and her prowess. And, and I think that is something that I'm really learning to share, even just as like a sexual educator in my community is that we shouldn't look at sex work and just uh, the rest of our career work as so separate you know, having this curtain of like what we're, what is okay to share during the day and what is not okay to share during the night. 
I think coming together and realizing that the different sexy taboos that we can explore generally are those things that we have shunned away that are things that we shouldn't mention in the nighttime. So coming back to that, just having healing sex and healing sexuality being like this process that is different for every person, men or women. Yeah. <laughs> well, so one thing okay. that sex workers are constantly fighting is this idea, especially in Western culture, that sex is dirty. And because people view sex as something that's dirty, they view sex workers as dirty. And that's even more of a reason for them to other sex workers. Is this something that you've had to deal with in your work? Yes, definitely. Even if it doesn't relate to their ability to or their their relationship with feeling dirty in the bedroom, I think just going back to like what were we taught as children, you know, like what whether if it was a relation uh, a religious aspect a cultural aspect that was, you know, imprinted onto us. And yeah, coming back to how do we change this concept of sex being dirty and sex work being dirty? And I see a rise of so many different women. And of course, you guys, you ladies are part of that, just really revolutionizing the fact that like, no, sex is not dirty. If anything, it's so beautiful because of how dynamic it can be. You know, pain can be transformed into pleasure if you're willing to really surrender to that. You know, with things like shibari and all the different kinds of kink and play. And then even for men, you know, thinking that, you know, something like pegging could be completely not something that would come off as, as dirty for some people, but for others, it could be like the fantasy that they are waiting for at the end of their, you know, marriage ceremony, which is mine. <laughs> so yeah, I think the more that we just talk about it, like just having conversations like this and making it more normalized, whether it's like with your partner or with your girlfriends or just in the workplace to, of course, an appropriate level, <laughs> I think makes it so much easier to, yeah, to change that whole frame mind of dirty to actually sacred. I'm sorry, did you say at the end of your marriage ceremony there's pegging involved? <laughs> well, it, we haven't had it yet, but this is my fantasy for like, you know, at the end of the marriage zone in my ceremony when we have our like honeymoon state, yeah, pegging is definitely involved. Just to explore like what is possible. My husband, or my husband to be is, is into it, so. <laughs> or he's I've been trying away. to get my boyfriend into it for a while, but we're still working on, you know the back roads. So <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out, team. Don't worry. I have faith in you guys. Yeah, just slow and easy, you know. Fruits, if you can bring fruits involved, I can make that fun. Sorry, I did think about that. <laughs> I kind of zoned out. <laughs> all good, all good. <laughs> so it's interesting that you mention the sacredness of sex, because we very recently had some guests on here talking about their lives as full-service sex workers and how it's a very spiritual experience for them and they see sex work as something very sacred. How do you think sex work and sexual healing go hand in hand? Hmm. That's a beautiful question. From what I can gather from what my friend who has also, um, like I was saying, she's in and out of the club and she really takes it to heart. She calls herself like a sexual priestess. And in a way, I also identify with this because just any way of the priestess just means alchemizing one form into the next. So for me, it was pain and numbness into pleasure and empowerment. And for her, maybe it was something of similar, but she takes it to the next level where she, now she's using her sexual energy to awaken something in someone else that has been 
totally shut down or that hasn't been witnessed and seen. So even just that arousal and that connection is so sacred, you know, from human to human without the masks of our career and like who you think you're walking around being in the world. When you come into that sacred space of just it's me and you, you know, all of those things can fall away. And so I think you know, sex workers have that power to really create a sacred performance, something that can change somebody, something that moves somebody from the inside out. I know this amazing woman, um, she's a wonderful sex worker, and she uh, has given me some tips and tricks just in terms of sensual massage and the way that she expresses how she connects with her patient or her clients and like how grateful they are afterwards, like just humbled and honored by the way that what they did together actually affected and impacted their personal life far after that session. And so to when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, that's a fucking success story. Like that's someone who felt so unloved, so unconnected with just life. And they had gone and they went to this beautiful goddess and she woke shit up in him. And so, you know, whatever energy they cultivated together, he's going out there and using it for peak performance things, whether that's like fucking slaying it in his business or whatever it is, you know, bringing that sense of awakened, loving touch back to his relationship, whatever it was. And I think that's a really interesting and a very like just revolutionizing way, although it's not because it's one of the oldest, you know, businesses and trades of the world. So to me, that just means also like since Mary Magdalene's time, it has been sacred work. You know, her energetic sexual work with Jesus is, you know, what uh, some people would say is what brought him back to life. So that's fucking cool. <laughs> you know, like you just are in that deep connection of uh, spiritual presence and also physical intimate presence and then combining it with just honoring that moment and not judging it for what it is and allowing it to unfold the way it naturally can be. Like, I think that can provide so many healing opportunities for people. So we're talking a lot about how sex can be healing, but how do you transform sex from something that can bring some people a lot of tension and shame and instead into something that brings pleasure or empowerment? Yeah, that's a great question. From my own personal experience, you know, it's not necessarily a matter of how, but a matter of when. So just the consistency and the intention of like, I want to experience juicy, connective, powerful sex with my partner, having a specific intention and then going in a safe and uh, constructive way, recreating an experience that allows you to experience that trauma a little bit at a time. So for example, for me growing up, having been molested for 13 years of my life, it was so hard for me for my first two uh, relationships to just have men touch me from behind and grab my breasts. And so I just had to consciously choose like, hey, I actually want to be able to enjoy these things. You know, there's so many sensory things going on here. There's so much pleasure available and making that consistent effort and then also finding the proper partners that are along for that ride because it's not going to be a one time, two time, maybe even three time thing. You might have to do it over and over for months at a time. But there's also that miracle of having like such an extraordinary, deep connecting experience where whatever trauma you had could be lifted. So it's really kind of like a person to person basis of, of what they're ready to receive in that moment. Kind of deferring to the expert here, what is it about sex work that is so healing? 
That's a great question. I'm doing a little bit of my own research now with the Flow Research Collective, and I am pulling from their theory just this concept of flow. And flow being a state of being, you know, energetically, mentally, and physically that allows for these miraculous, crazy things to happen. So for some people, it's like these exponential ranges of creativity or, you know, someone who discovers or creates like an innovative process or project. And so when it comes to sexuality and healing, I think that allowing the body to, to reach that place of deep relaxation where the mind can shut off and the body can be fully turned on. This is where I think sex workers have that magical zone where they can make it so pleasurable and maybe for someone who had never been in a healthy pleasurable experience with a partner you know this this enchantment can be something that stirs a new idea for them or at least gives them hope for some kind of experience that is drastically different from what had traumatized them so just that magic of like yeah like this is new this is the novelty and then bringing the body and the mind into that moment so that way there's nothing else it being experienced other than being fully in your body, I think that's when the healing happens because that's when you fully relax and surrender. And whether it's emotional healing, all of that will flow through. Generally, when women have orgasms, we were literally releasing so we could have emotional releases, which many women do, like cry after orgasms or whatever the reaction may be, um, just to not judge that reaction and just see it as like, wow, okay, that's what had to come out um, and just being accepting whatever that looks like for you. Speaking of women having sex, why do you think there's more shame around sex for women? I would feel like it just goes back to that, you know, prostitution has been one of the most archaic, you know, forms of business and healing and just person to person um, experiences. And like we were talking about earlier, just how religion has really been so heavy in that area. Uh, Because if we look back into the ancient times where people would worship the goddess, you know, that's when we had like the Oracle of Delphi where people would go and like pay, not pay, but yeah, offer their, their, their prayers and their, their desires and ask women in their sexual state to give them these oracles of wisdom. So they would go to women while they're having orgasms or having some kind of sexual experience with them. And that's when the divine message would come in. So I would think that, you know, going back to that area of time and just how people were so connected to the feminine, that used to be the way and that used to be part of the way. And now we've just gone so far away from that where we focus so much on like this masculine energy of sex, even just like the shortcoming, <laughs> very quick and like, uh, you know, it's not necessarily sustaining. And so we can see just from, yeah, that that relationship or that dominance of that sexual male energy, not necessarily that it's wrong or bad or anything like that, but that there's been an excess of that. And so with that, there's also this excess of shame around it. And so, yeah, I think we're, we're making a big boomerang, though. There are more people realizing that they can't keep shaming their sexuality or ignoring it. It's like, you know, we can't the more we ignore something, it actually gets worse, I think so. Oh, I mean, I know that from all my daddy issues. So which are now coming up now that I'm 22, still relatively young. But one thing that I kind of want to specify is, so like we said, there's a lot more shame surrounding sex when it comes to women. And as a result, there's a lot more shame in paying for sex. So women are less likely to And I'm not even looking at statistics. I think these are just truths that we know. 
less likely to be out and open about the porn that they watch, uh, the sex toys that are used, engaging in BDSM. But can engaging in these mediums, especially paying for these mediums, be powerful for women as well as men? I think so. That's a great question. Recently, I've been really interested in this whole concept of just investing in yourself, right? Whether that's investing in your health, investing in your sexuality, investing in your business, and learning to make this shift where we're no longer shaming, oh, you know, to go get a massage or even to go get a sensual massage for that to be uh, something to look down upon. And I think it's going to have to be just a holistic approach of how we view, how do we interact with each other? What do we deem as appropriate or not appropriate in business? I was actually just speaking with this girl and she was telling me that she was carrying a lot of shame also for watching porn. And I asked her, I was like, have you ever asked if your partner would watch porn with you? Like how far of this, you know, how, how willing is your partner to make this like an interactive thing or something that you don't have to feel embarrassed of or ashamed of? Cause I'm sure he watches porn, you know, <laughs> or at least we can assume that he might be into it with, to do it with you. And she said that she never thought about asking him. And I was like, Oh, isn't that so interesting that we just automatically close ourselves off when it could be an easy conversation or just something to at least like give some, some space to. So I think, yeah, definitely just, you know, um, for me personally, just investing in the training to learn about my sexuality and investing in experiencing a yoni massage. Like when I uh, went and went to my this training in Thailand, I had this lovely lady uh, and she gave me a yoni massage. And that was the first time I've ever, since I'm a body worker, you know, I've been really clear about like, I do professional massage, deep tissue, relaxing, but I don't give hand jobs and I don't do that others. Yeah, I don't do that stuff. Like I'm strictly doing this technical body work. So it was hard for me in the beginning to, to let that boundary be crossed. And I was like in myself, like, oh, wait, is this wrong? Is this bad? Does this make me not professional? And then I realized after that massage, I was like, holy shit, other women need this. They need yoni, they need breast massage, and they need to not be afraid of it being sexualized or that they're being molested by somebody who's giving it to them. Because it was so powerful for me just to have another woman hold me and touch me in a like a gentle and tender way. And it being like, whoa, like I'm not being, uh, I'm not at prey to anybody's sexual desire. This is really for me. She was just there being the sacred, beautiful space for me to unravel and relax. And I was like, dang, even if it was just more people getting their, you know, their genitals massaged, I think it would be so amazing. Um, and just a little add on my partner, uh, Dustin, he had this crazy injury seven years ago where he became paralyzed from the waist down. So a lot of what I do is inspired by him because in his recovery, being paralyzed from the waist down, he lost pretty much all control of his genitals, couldn't get hard, couldn't use the bathroom on his own. And so he had to go through this process of Tantra and to really turn on his genitals and just get them to a functional level. And so when he told me that story of like how he used sacred sexuality to heal his body from paralysis, I was blown away because I mean, when I saw him in person, I was like, I can't believe you were paralyzed down there. It is not, that is not at all what I would think. Like that is a miracle. Okay. So <laughs> as soon as he told me that, I was like, okay, I need to meet these teachers that you were working with because obviously you guys have something really magical here. And so I went and studied with his teachers in Thailand. I would love to hear your opinions on the hypersexualization of nudity and bodies and how I feel like particularly in our society, in our culture, that being naked equals being the equal sex, you know, 
um, and bodies aren't looked upon anymore as things that you can control and that are strong and that you have, and it's all about sex. Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I was actually going on of, you know, reviewing myself and my branding for my business as a holistic sex coach or what I'm trying to find the, the perfect words for it now, but um, just witnessing all these different what seems like evolutions of women out there wanting to be seen for their sexuality and wanting to be seen expressing their sexuality safely, but also having to navigate if this is like part of being hypersexual. Like, am I looking for validation through being overly sexual? Or is this like a deep, like sincere desire to just have beautiful nude photos? And so for me personally, I definitely think, um, you know, my sexual abuse as a child kind of uh, fragmented my understanding of like what hyper and like, hyposexuality could look like. So in the beginning, I was like hyposexual. I was definitely like, didn't want anyone to see any part of my body. And then when I got, you know, in my teenage years and I had all these raging hormones, then it was like, I was completely hyposexual. And then having to find the balance, you know, I'm 28 now and being like, okay, I want to come out into the world and communicate with women and empower other women to embrace their bodies, regardless what you think you look like, what your color is, like what your size is, but really learn to experience just feeling sexy because you're in a beautiful body that is healthy, that is strong, that is yours to fully consent. And someone like me who had constantly um, had that consent taken away from me at a young age, now like learning how to have these boundaries, even like in unspoken ways has been like a super important thing for me. So just when it comes to social media, having that, you know, before I post, I take a deep breath and I'm like, okay, is this for me or is this for my audience? Like, is this truly serving a purpose? Is my sexuality like this sacred expression of who I am? Or is this kind of like an exploitation of what I think other people want to see of me and what I believe that I'm gaining from their validation or their approval, whether it's likes or shares or all these things. So I think, yeah, coming back to how do we deal with hypersexuality? I think, again, just making it so normalized and also just a conscious expression versus like, well, hey, it's spring break. Let's go to the lake and take all of our clothes off and just like, but we've never done it before, you know? So whatever it is for you, I think just coming back to like, why am I expressing my sexuality and what am I gaining from that? I feel like that's the reason I've been posting on social media a lot less since the pandemic started, it doesn't feel like it's as much to serve me as much as just fear of being further sexualized by putting myself on this platform. But that that's internalized misogyny for you. So, <laughs> um, so I I was just telling Shelby. I think we have this great resource in front of us. You, but it's like you serve as such a wonderful resource for our listeners. And so I want to focus on, you know, how we can best utilize this and share with our listeners of how they could experience sexual healing or even just healing around their connotations of sex. I really want to focus on what has helped your sex work clients. Yeah, definitely. So just from talking um, with my very close friend who, like I said, is an amazing sex worker and she has all these amazing stories of her clients and her success of what they've been able to go through. Um, recently, she shared a little bit about her process and totally blew me away because what 
had led her to the work that she does now was that she had also gone through some kind of very traumatic abuse as a child, um, not necessarily sexual, but definitely one of violence. And so when I come back to just, you know, uh, the sex, the women or the people in sex work right now, I'm always just liking to ask and taking an inventory, like what has led them to where they are right now? Because there was at some point, some kind of cause that led to this effect. Now, not looking at it like so linear as like negative and bad or you know, uh, good and bad, but just honoring where, what had initiated them into sex work and did that initiation complete itself? Like, is that something that's still, or are you there because you truly just enjoy like this performance and this embodying your sexiness without any you know conditions of anybody else to tell you what to do? And so just having, you know, that check-in with yourself, I think is a good little, uh, just like a, a stepping stone to being like, what is it that you're actually looking to do with your, with that powerful sexuality that you have? And how can you use it in the best way that benefits your people and yourself? So that way your work is not just emptying you and it's not draining you, but actually using that sexual energy to replenish you and actually make you a peak performer of what you do whether that's dancing or having, you know, these beautiful sensual massages with people or doing couples work. And so when I think about her and her work, when it comes to like couples work, you know, people who come because they're having relationship issues, they're not able to have sex in a way that actually feels good for them anymore. They come to her as a couple. And so she leads them through like, okay, why don't we try this with her and see what she likes? And so what I'm what I'm trying to say from that aspect is it's so interesting to see someone using sex work, not only in a um, exploitation of, or exploration of their pleasure, but also allowing people the safety of like exploring their pleasure with guidance. And so, you know, I'm sure there can be so many different experiences that a sex worker could have with their one individual client or a couple. And yeah, I would definitely, I'm definitely interested in like expanding my community and working more with these. And I've, I've actually had more women come up to me now and be like, hey, I am a sex worker or I have done, uh, I was a stripper in the past. And so they are coming to me and sharing these things of that. Some of them who aren't in the sex worker business now have some shame that they used to be a stripper. And so a lot of, so some of the women that I'm working with in that area, I've, they have like shut out their sexuality completely. So they don't dance anymore. They don't dress the way they want to anymore, whether it's because they have kids and they believe they should, you know, what motherly image they should be carrying and carrying that shame without, uh, around. But also I've noticed that these women who, you know, used to be so sexually empowered and so expressive without containment are almost afraid to express because they're like they're so used to being so wild and so big and so free that they don't know how to make that shift into like okay what can feel appropriate or what can feel safe in my new life um, where I don't necessarily want other people to know I used to be a sex worker and so with, for that kind of process what we do is generally like just coming back into more of a meditative practice where they connect with their body because a lot of it is like they get so stuck in their head of what they think they should be, who they should be, how they should be living. They're no longer in their bodies. They're no longer feeling pleasure in their bodies and they no, lo no longer seek pleasure. Like they almost go into the complete opposite where it's like, I'm only working, I'm in the grind, like I'm sacrificing really. It's like a soul sacrifice. They sacrifice their magical essence for like this safety net of I'm not going to be judged anymore. And so I'm also noticing that those women want to come out also.
and find a, ba- a better balance of like, okay, how can I still be a mom and a professional, but also like let my wild thing out and be inspired by my eroticism again. So lap dancing, you know, just like these, these practices at home that can be like another way of bringing back a little bit of that freedom, but in a safe place that no one, you know, that unless only the people that you want to invite to that space can see and be with. And so um, things like that, and just having these regular erotic uh, inspiring dates with yourself, you know, I, I generally prescribe like daily masturbation, mindful masturbation. That way it's like, it's not just for your audience member or your client, but it's really for you. Like, how can you bring back that pleasure to yourself and have it just be as gratifying just to experience that versus having it to be a show for somebody else and no longer having that, yeah, that feeling of urgency or like you have to give away your best without giving it to yourself. We've had some sex workers on the show say that they love their job and that's what they feel shameful for is how much they love being a sex worker. Where do you think that comes from? That's always a good question too. Yeah. I think that just comes from that collective root belief that sex is wrong, that paying for sex is wrong, that, you know, to be a uh, prestigious person, you have to have a certain kind of career. And generally that's going to be something like a lawyer, a doctor, some kind of banker or something like that. Not necessarily embracing the human, just the humanness of that. You know, we have these different passions and desires. And especially when it comes to sex, having, uh, giving yourself full permission to explore this whole realm of humanness that is often ignored and often, you know, shut out. And so I think the women that have shame around it really like once they turn that shame around and like release it like they already have so much joy around it and i think once they can drop that they can actually be a shining beacon for all of the other women who are like having this mixed bag feeling about what they do i don't i feel like if we had grown up on an island you know like with the amazon women and this was part of what we did like it's like no bitch that's what you do you know it's okay like be proud like you're amazing at it and then it's like having that discernment of, okay, like, are you really proud of what you do? And then if that's the case, if you're having some incongruency, how can you change or adapt your career in sex work so that it feels good to you so that it feels like you're, you're honoring your boundaries and then also allowing yourself to explore something that's a little taboo. So there, we have like two, two branches that we can cover. So I'm just trying to decide which one Shelby help me help me pick so it's like on one hand I want to talk about how non-sex workers can let go of their connotations surrounding sex work and reducing whorephobia but you also just said a really great thing about boundaries and I think boundaries are really important for literally everyone I would love to have the boundaries conversation the unspoken boundaries conversation so kind of piggybacking off of something that you said earlier boundaries something that sex workers non-sex workers everybody could probably use a bit more practice establishing. Um, Could we talk about that a little more of how to establish boundaries, especially when it comes to sex? Yes, yes, I love that. Yeah, so just coming back to that whole concept of informed consent, right? Um, And you can use this to other aspects of your life other than sexuality. 
but just what do you mentally agree to uphold? And then what does your body, you know, sensation wise and intuition wise want to uphold? And I want to believe that um, as you know, energetic beings, as spiritual beings, as physical beings, we have these different layers of where we need to hold these gates that protect us um, and that, you know, that govern our energy of how we move and how we interact with people. So um, I consider myself somebody who is very sensitive, like I'm a highly sensitive person, kind of like on the little woo psychic side. And when I massage people, I often do pick up their emotional feelings, also sometimes their thoughts. Sometimes I can see images. And so for me, as a body worker, I have to assert from the very beginning, like my boundary, like I'm here as a healing vessel to reflect to them and to provide to them a space that they can unravel. And so when I say that, and when I feel that in my body, I'm choosing to allow certain things that I know is going to give me information that is uh, impertinent to their healing, but then also keep myself protected from what could be um, some kind of unconscious wanting to uh, to blend energies, which can happen when you start to work with someone, you know, very regularly, and you're in this very vulnerable space, naked body and therapist, um, people often want to speak a lot about their life, people often want to sometimes become a little too friendly or a little too um, connected. And so for me, and when I'm working in that space, especially when I'm doing yoni massage, or any kind of like, even when I'm massaging my partner and giving him a linga massage, a, a penis massage, I'm still in that space like okay I'm showing up for him and this is for his experience I'm not getting aroused I'm doing my best not to bring any attention on me but to make it you know give myself and my presence to whatever he needs and so I can only assume that to be a a really good sex worker you also need to make that boundary to be like okay what is my client coming to me for what is what are they seeking out of this experience how can I provide that in a way that honors my boundary so for them like Maybe they don't necessarily want to be proposed to after that session. So how do they make it not uh, feel that way? How, you know, so it's a very, it's a very like moment by moment discerning practice. And so, you know, just on a daily basis, I often ask myself um, just to get clear on my boundaries because there are so many different aspects, right, that create why you even choose to create a boundary. So you have to know what your values are. If, for example, I know that when it comes to my sexuality, I value exploration and I, I value the ability to express myself without having asked permission, then I want to know that I'm not going to have a partner who's going to constantly be questioning me or making me feel bad about what I'm doing with my body. So that's already like a boundary I already have. And so for any kind of, um, you know, for the sex workers and for people who aren't sex workers, you know, coming into the, the bedroom and who want to set boundaries, it's like, okay, I know right now I'm still healing through some sexual trauma. Maybe I don't want to be touched here, but I'm okay with exploring around the area, you know, so setting boundaries that are flexible, but you can communicate and like just keeping that um, communication open can also help getting clear on boundaries. Yeah, we I kind of want to get into horophobia, but in a way that because horophobia as we've discussed a little bit on the show is kind of a combination of misogyny and like a hatred of the poor and and low income communities and and you know, sex work is a survivalist industry, so it's made up of mostly people who are just trying to make some money. But I I do think that there is also some resentment 
against these women who are so sexually liberated and are comfortable enough to sell sex. And I would love to talk about what you would tell somebody who wants to work through something like that and recognizes these biases and and that sometimes they view sex as dirty and like how they can change their minds. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, that actually came up in my training um, during the practicum. We were having a little role-playing session and one of the, the girls ended up uh, wanting to act as a incoming sex worker and the other girl ended up wanting to be someone who was completely horrified by her open sexuality about what she did. So it's a perfect question for that. And in so that moment, um, for me, it was really interesting just to witness someone who was so outspoken and so ready to attack this person for what they perceived was immoral, you know, and having to also see the sex worker as someone who's coming in because one in one way they feel very empowered to share their body in a way that makes them feel uh, good about themselves and also that they have something of value to share. But then also hearing her and saying that she still wasn't completely comfortable with her body um, in terms of like she had certain pains that she was moving through and, and still not knowing really like how to have a sacred relationship with her body because it had been something that it was like, a commercialized thing. She became like, oh, this is just a resource I have. Like it's something that can con continuously give away versus seeing it as something like sacred and something that she can give away, but it should be with this, this level of, you know, self-worth and understanding. And so what I was witnessing in that dynamic was I think that uh, anytime two people get together, right, it's like an interesting mirror effect. It's like the person who's being triggered for some reason, they're seeing something inside themselves that they're having trouble accepting. And so with this drastic contrast, it's like someone who is super conservative versus someone who's super considered to be explorative and liberated. And so having to get, getting them to meet in the middle required me to kind of step in and just remind them like, hey, what she does with her body, she is the master of her own body, her own life. And so are you of your own life and your body? And so how can we come together and see that we are just on a different point on the same spectrum of exploring sexuality? And it was interesting because for the, the woman who was playing the sex worker, she felt like I was not supporting her enough and that I was coddling the other one. But I only had acted that way in the moment because the, uh, the girl that was triggered was so emotional and so much in her pain body that I was thinking like, okay, she needs more of my attention versus the other woman who seemed like she was holding strong and she's like, okay, well, you can attack me, but this is who I am. This is what I do. But as a facilitator, having to see that and see that even me wanting to reach out and give this other woman an extra, some extra attention, it was making the other woman feel less supported. And so... When it comes to these kinds of things now, I try to give them the opportunity to have conversations that make them feel like they can relate more to each other. So reminding them like, okay, what is it that you're the most afraid of? Because often it's, it is the fears that we share, or it is the pain that we share, and we just express or seek relief or healing from that pain in different ways. So maybe for the, the woman who became a sex worker younger, you know, in her younger life, she was feeling very exploited. So she wanted to actually reclaim that by being like, no, I know what I'm worth and I'm going to charge what I'm worth. And the other one feeling like she gave away a lot of her, 
you know, just personal power to everybody else because she was such a people pleaser. She, she wanted to appear so good, but in the end of that, she felt so empty and she felt so not in her power at all. So, you know, seeking power, she's trying to manipulate or dominate the other woman and trying to bring her down. And so, yeah, I just think just real taking a step back and being like, we're both human and we're both just trying to figure out our own shit in our own way. Yeah. Here on the show, we really encourage paying for sex in all aspects is like paying for porn, paying for private dances in the strip club, you know, if you can, because that's the right thing to do. And I think it's really hard for some people whose partners may have paid for sex in the past to wrap their minds around how that's moral or or feel comfortable with it. How would you talk to somebody who is struggling with something like this? If it was, for example, like a partner of someone who was a sex worker, I would definitely start off with just beginning to acknowledge him. Hey, I can, I can understand that you might have mixed feelings about this experience. And I would probably ask him, what is it that he's concerned about, you know, to allow him the space to just voice his concern, because I want, you know, if he's in a, a role where he feels that his, you know, person he adores is somewhat at risk for being attacked or, you know, preyed upon, like this could just be like a biological response that he's having. So just, you know, meeting him at that biological place, like, hey, he's just trying to be a protector. Let's acknowledge him for what he's doing. And then moving on into being, you know, digging a little deeper and be like, okay, like, what is it about um, her giving this experience to other men that make you uncomfortable? Is it because it makes you feel like she's not showing up to the marriage, you know, to your partnership in the way that you want? Is she not showing up um, in a way that makes you feel like you're the most special person in her life? And just kind of bringing more awareness to what he believes is being taken away from him or that is lacking if she goes somewhere else to do what is, you know, sharing her magic and her allure. And then just giving them the space to just really like sink in with that and just I feel like throughout those kinds of conversations, often they'll start to think like, okay, yeah, like I know that I do want to support her in whatever it is that she wants to do. More likely, I want to say that men will try to find the strength to be like, I want to be okay with this. Like I want to support my woman in doing this. But then having to deal with that insecurity or self-doubt, then I would just say, you know, make it a habit to create that time where you have time with her on a regular basis, you know, that you both agree upon creating this connection over and over again. So that way you're both consensually coming back and refilling the space. So that way you feel juicy. And also uh, when we take it from this Taoist perspective, so ancient Taoist practices, the males would have their white tigresses. So these were women that would go and have sexual encounters with men to go and draw their sexual energy. And so the women would, you know, pretty much suck in all this uh, sexual energy and then go back to their jade dragon. So there used to be a practice where men would understand that women could have this power of going and bringing back energy and bring it back to their home life and actually making their home life a much more prosperous, flourished, juicy thing. So it's really just being able to take a step back from the ego and being like, okay, is this being able to serve the greater good of our relationship or is it not? So I feel like, you know, once you have that understanding and once you can really feel into your body, hopefully they can meet some congruency where they both agree, yeah, this actually would make us feel a little spicier and make me feel like we're really got this unbreakable connection that no matter how many other people you see, you still love coming home to me. I think that is 
one of the best ways to just help somebody feel comfortable with what you're doing in a way that's also empowering for them. Yeah. And then if it's the other way around and he's not okay with it, then you kind of have to go again, you know, come back to your boundaries. Like, okay, is this something that I'm willing to change about what I want to do for work? If not, then you have to respect your boundaries. If not, then you're going to just keep continuously hoping that someone can change their belief system and it doesn't match yours. So if that's not the work you're willing to do, and that's not with the person you're willing to be patient with in doing that work, then it might be better to consider other options. <laughs> Yeah, that's really helpful. I think we have this ongoing conversation about dating as a sex worker, and it comes in all forms as far as single sex workers trying to find a relationship or sex workers in relationships with non-sex workers and what their relationship dynamic is and how their partners deal with it. We've had We've had people like, oh, my partner doesn't know, to my partner helps me do the photo shoots and they edit my videos together, you know, so... That's that's a really interesting way of looking at it, asking the non-sex worker who might be uncomfortable with sex work, what do you feel like is being taken away from you? We're kind of coming up on time, but I want to know if you have any final thoughts that you would want to share with our audience. I would say that whether you're a sex worker or a non-sex worker, that this is like the most opportune time to really like allow sexuality to be the, the magnetic force of our life. You know, I, I want to believe that everything that I do in my bedroom and just to get myself juicy before uh, the work that I do now, it really improves my creativity. It improves my ability to be intimate with people. It improves my ability to connect and just to be more present. And so using sex as that ritual or that ceremony that actually brings you to more of a real and raw place is a gift that we can take, you know, really at any moment. So if you can... <laughs> Make the most of it. And it, and it be like this conscious, inter, uh, interactive, consensual act, of course. I love that. If our listeners want to be able to find you online, where would they look? Yeah, I am on Instagram. You can call uh, find me at bliss underscore tigress. And on Facebook is the same. And she's actually on our social media. That's how we ended up meeting is somebody sent a picture of her to us and we posted it on our Instagram. And we always want to credit people where we can. And so we were like, oh, if anybody knows who this model is, please tag them. And somebody tagged you like a couple of weeks after we posted that. So you can find her picture on our Instagram and we'll we'll have another one when your episode comes out. But otherwise, check us out on our website, candygirlpodcast.com. You can find her episode, other episodes, and a bunch of other information there. Thanks for listening, guys. And we will hear from you next Friday. Me, Daddy. <laughs>